It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a final drive edition this Monday. March Madness is upon us. I'm Corey Labounty. Joined by Michael Bronner behind the glass, taking your telephone calls and producing today's show. 251 694 1055 is how you can get in. And Michael, a lot of great March Madness action this weekend, and the brackets are officially out, and we'll see if they're ready to be busted. Well, they will be busted. I mean, that's the the one constant every year in March is that no one knows exactly what's going to happen. But if you're Alabama, secure the number one overall seed. You uh, you really can't be you really can't be happier with the draw they got. I think the road to get at least to the elite eight is more than manageable. Uh, you know, double SEC champs for the first time or for the second time in three years, rather. So. You know, very, very, uh, very good weekend for the Crimson Tide. No question about it. And what we want you to do is to experience and enjoy this March Madness with us this coming Wednesday downtown at Moe's Barbecue, 6 o'clock p.m. You'll have an opportunity to, if you're not one of our qualifiers, by calling in when you hear One Shiny Moment by Luther Vandross. You can also qualify when you come in and show up for Moe's. We'll leave eight spots open for those who don't get in to the opening kickoff or here on the final drive to qualify. You'll have four opportunities this evening to qualify right here on the final drive. When you hear Luther Vandross's One Shiny Moment, you can qualify and guarantee your spot in the March Madness Matchup Challenge right here on WNSP this coming Wednesday, 6 o'clock p.m., Moe's Barbecue Downtown, and put yourself in contention to pick a name out of the hat if one of those teams that you pick or the one team that you pick does win it all, wins the big dance, you'll have an opportunity to win that brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three people on two separate jet skis, that's two adults and one child, from our friends at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And what an awesome prize package that is, Michael. And you can't beat that. All they have to do is listen and qualify when they hear that one shiny moment right here on WNSP. Come out on Wednesday. It's going to be a great time. Well, not only being a great time, it was a great time if you like Alabama and or Auburn because both teams are arriving in Birmingham, Alabama to play. We felt that Auburn was going to get in. We didn't know where they would send Auburn. But to send the Auburn Tigers to Birmingham, Alabama, 
Boy, oh boy, <laughs> you want to talk about a hot ticket that is going to be hard to come by. Yeah. Legacy Arena is definitely going to be the place to be. Auburn will be taking on Iowa. Auburn gets in as a nine seed, and when we talked to Coach Flanagan late on Friday, he felt that they could be seeded anywhere from seven to 11, and they got a nine seed, get an opportunity to play the Iowa Hawkeyes in that first round at Legacy Arena, and the four number one seeds, Bama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas, when you start having injuries like Sasser from Houston, which is their NBA pick, it makes a difference. And that's one of the reasons that Houston loses to Memphis in yeah. their conference he, championship. He I, I think he's going to be fine to go uh, by, I'm not, yeah, I guess they're playing on Thursday since it's in Birmingham. Uh, obviously, Sasser's their best player. It, it, it seems like he's going to be good to go. I mean, it was scary when he went down because, you know, he kind of crumbled. It, it was non-contact. You weren't sure if it was a knee, but it was a groin injury for Sasser of Houston. And so, it, again, you'd rather it be a groin than a knee. So it sounds like he's going to be okay. He, I mean, he was questionable to play in the Memphis game, which obviously probably for the best that you sit him out. Uh, you know you have a number one seed. Obviously, you want to win the conference championship, but you know you have the number one seed locked up. Regardless, so uh, that being said, maybe you get a number one overall seed if you win that game against against Memphis, and maybe you avoid having the the probable reality of having to play Auburn in Birmingham, which really is just ridiculous. I it's all well and good; it's going to be exciting. Uh, you know, I'm I'm going to be there this weekend on Saturday. And be and uh, at Legacy Arena in Birmingham, it's going to be a great environment. You know, Auburn and Alabama will both be there. It's all well and good, but I mean, it, it's ridiculous for for Iowa and for Houston. What? Why the heck should Auburn be able to play in Birmingham? They're a nine seed. Iowa's an eight seed. So, and you're telling me Auburn gets to play essentially if they beat Iowa two home games in the first two rounds? Oh, what? Well, it's called a neutral floor oh, at neutral. Legacy Arena. Now, whether you have all your fans to buy up the allotment of tickets, well, you can say it's the road less traveled for Auburn fans for certain. Now, Alabama definitely punched their ticket as the number one overall seed in the in the tournament, and they finished number one in the AP poll the fourth time in program history. And that's what's amazing to me in the history of Alabama basketball. They've only been ranked number one in the AP poll four times. And it's the highest regular season finish that they've ever had as a university. And that's pretty impressive. Now, one of our listeners in that are listening, as, as well as those in the app, many talking heads, including myself, have Alabama winning it all. Will the Crimson Tide find a way to to win it all? And I know we have a caller, Mike, who yep. has something to say about maybe possibly the seeding for the NCAA tournament. Oh, caller, got, good afternoon we and welcome guy, to the final drive. We got our guy Chuck. Chuck, good afternoon. Hey, Corey, what's going on? Man, I'm absolutely too blessed to be stressed, sir. I hear you. Hey, let, let, let me uh... – clarify something for myself and maybe for some of your listeners that don't know this i, I think i got this right you tell me uh so we're in march madness now we are 
let's travel back to 1989 to Atlanta and South Alabama, playing Alabama. And I recall uh, Jeff Hodge hitting that shot and Ronnie Arrow running out on the court so excited. He just wanted to hug somebody. And he picked up a little boy about three years old or four years old. And wasn't that you? That would have been me. That that is my one shining moment for sure. That, that was I was the ball boy for Coach Ronnie Arrow when we hit the shot awesome. that rolled the tide. And you know, I it, it really was an awesome feeling. It, it's it's truly March Madness. I get the goosebumps thinking about it. But you're absolutely right. Uh, eighty-six to eighty-four, the final score, March seventeenth, nineteen eighty-nine, in the Omni in Atlanta, and Alabama will try to avoid that and. I brought that up with oh, Coach yeah. Wimp Sanderson the other day, Chuck, when I had him on the air, and he was like, oh, "I heard it, I heard it, yeah." Wimp, Wimp, that's still painful for him. It, you it can is, tell. it is pretty painful. <laughs> it, it, it really is, and, and you know, a, a great moment. And, and Alabama, you know, they're probably going to have when you look. Coach Wes Flanagan from Auburn talked about when they made the Final Four, their toughest game was their opening round game. And I don't think that that will necessarily right. be the case for Alabama in their opening round game, whether they have the play-in winner out of Texas A&M or Southeast Missouri. But I do think that, uh, you know, Alabama is going to be tested, and I think there's a lot more pressure now that they have been tagged to win it all, there's, of course, a lot more pressure on this Alabama team than there was on that 89 team for sure, Chuck. Sure, sure. I'm with you there. Uh, just throw out a couple of tidbits here. Um, I, I do think, uh, back to Bronner's question, I'm, uh, I'm not so sure that, uh, yeah, Houston got a bit of a break there, but I also think the committee uh, they were they were doing some things deliberately uh you know, there's the whole argument about really Texas A&M is a seven seed. Uh, they they lose three games in the conference, uh, and uh, I, of course, all that goes back to Buzz last year writing the document that he did and sending it to him, and eight of those members being back. But the committee hates if you look A&M, at that, Chuck. It, oh, they hate it. Well, well, look at this. Look at this. But the, if they win their first round game. In all likelihood, they're going to have to play Texas. Yes. Okay. Now, if 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 it's all about attendance, Bronner, you wouldn't have had Texas A&M and Texas in the same bracket and matching up. You've got those two schools and then Houston, which would all be within 100 miles of Houston. Houston, obviously, in Houston. You could pack that place out. You wouldn't have been able to get a ticket if they kept winning. But now one of them is going to be eliminated at least by the second weekend. I mean, was the second I'm sorry, the, the first weekend, the second game. And, uh, uh, Corey, I'm not going to say I told you so, but uh, I, I want you to answer a question. Um, if you were a member of the North Carolina basketball team, would you at least want the opportunity to participate in the NIT? I'm going to be honest with you. I, I would not want that opportunity uh, because okay. I don't I don't go to North Carolina to play in the NIT. I go to North Carolina preseason ranked number one. I played in the national championship a year ago. I believe that we underachieved. And, and it's almost like, well, do you feel like you deserve? Because I guarantee Hubert Davis talked to his 
North Carolina players and, and said, hey, guys, you know, I, I know we didn't reach. This is not the standard where we have that we need to be. And we need to be in the big dance, and it's big dance or bust in that situation for this team that was preseason number one, Chuck. Thank you for the call, Chuck. Okay. Okay, boss. Yeah, I'll be good. <laughs> oh, you know we will. Yeah, I'm actually with you on that, and, and, and I wasn't sure we would agree on that. I knew we'd get to that at, at some point. If you're UNC, again, I, I believe they're the first preseason number one to not make the NCAA tournament in history. If you're if you're UNC and Hubert Davis and Armando Baycott, I mean, I wouldn't want to play in the NIT either. I mean, what do you, what even if you win the NIT, what what are you proving at that point? I, and if you don't win the NIT, it's even worse. It's just at that point, and I think Hubert I, I think Hubert Davis said it in his kind of statement as to why they aren't participating. It's time to turn the page. Go portal hunting. Focus on next season. Recruiting. Figure out what figure out what went so wrong this year. Because let's face it, UNC since Hubert Davis since Roy Williams retired and Hubert Davis took over, they've really had one really good month of basketball, and that's last year's run in March. I mean, they were they were a nine seed. It's easier to forget now because they made the uh, they were eight, eight or nine seed. It's easier to forget because they made a run to the national championship game. They were up by fifteen at halftime. But that's a team that almost blew a 25-point lead to Baylor in the second round last season. I mean, that this team under Hubert Davis has played one good month of basketball, which almost won them a national championship again. But no, I mean, you you clearly have some things to uh, have some things to fix with this program. Well, if you're not going to fix it in the NIT, like you said, there's more pressure if you go into the NIT and don't win it versus saying, hey, I want to focus on not only recruiting, I want to focus on the portal, I want to prove I want to have a better roster. So I just think that when the NCAA Tournament Committee, when they start looking at matchups, it's it's definitely a money-gaining situation because whether Texas and Texas A&M play in the second round or the first round, it's definitely a draw, just like like Chuck said in 89, Alabama refused to play South Alabama where the committee made them play South Alabama. Now you don't have a choice, and you can't avoid some of these matchups, and some of these matchups aren't great. Coach Sampson said today he wasn't happy about it, but we'll talk about that some more about who you guys are picking to win the entire March Madness tournament coming up next here on The Final Drive. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here with Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, taking your telephone calls here at 251-694-1055. And we'd love to hear from you in the app or give us a call. Michael Brauner awaiting your call. And again, we do have a caller on the line, Jason. Good afternoon and welcome to the final drive. Hey, y'all. Got a question for you, Brauner. What you got, Jason? How many people can we fit on this bandwagon? (laughs) Uh, I mean, Jay Wright was picking Alabama yesterday. I think everyone on that CBS show picked Alabama to win the, to at least make the Final Four, which you know, I I don't love. I'm not really talking about. I'm not talking about them as much as I'm talking about people uh, 
everyday people jumping on Alabama basketball. A lot of a lot of people are picking Alabama. Hard Which I, I I don't know, Jay. That 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 increases the pressure a little bit. I, I mean, and if you're looking at Alabama's path to. Uh, to get to the final four. I, I think that the argument can certainly be made that the second round game is going to be harder than the Sweet 16 game. I think Alabama got the best draw they could possibly ask for with their four and five seeds. I, I am inc- incredibly low on Virginia. I think it's a perfect matchup for Alabama if they even get there, which I don't think they will. Uh, I think San Diego State they would be able to handle as well. So I, if you're Alabama, I mean, you avoid Texas as your two seed. You avoid Gonzaga as your three seed. I, I think you just couldn't ask for a better path. Now, d- does that guarantee you anything? Of course not. But that being said, the path is there for you, man. It, it, it's up to Alabama it, to go handle your business now. It, it, it's there. We just got to pick it up. It's up to us, Jason. Well, it's- Jason, this is what I say as far as bandwagon fans. I love March Madness because more people watch March Madness that aren't basketball fans and really probably have heard about the Alabama situation that they've incurred internally all season long, and now they have an opportunity to say, hey, I've heard about them, but I'm going to pick them, and I'm going to go with them just because they are the overall number one seed. So you're either going to have those haters that are either all in or all against the Crimson Tide, and I really do think that Alabama has an opportunity to make history and being like Auburn was three or four years ago and making a Final Four appearance. Uh, I appreciate y'all for y'all doing a good job, dude. Thank you. Appreciate it. like Christmas time around here. Absolutely. March Madness. (laughs) and You can get in on our March Madness Challenge. We'll put the link on our site to where if you're in the app, We'll go ahead and click that link to where you can join our personal pool challenge to see if your brackets look better than ours because, again, brackets will be busted. And when you start looking at the overall four number one seeds, Bama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas, uh, I'm just not quite sure that you wouldn't want Auburn to be playing in Birmingham, Alabama, if you're the NCAA committee. When you look at their overall strength of schedule, Iowa, that's an outstanding. 8-9 matchups are always two of the toughest matchups. Of course, 5-12 always is fun to watch, too, when you have 5 versus 12. Pretty much the 5 seed has lost their fair share of those games, and you found that Cinderella in a 12 seed more times than not. And I'm just a little hesitant myself to have that 5-12 upset. And I really don't think 8-9 is, you know, I I think that's a push because those teams are very evenly matched and you can get anything out of that. But who is going to be the Cinderella this year? Will it be VCU defeating St. Mary's? I was about to give you that as my favorite 5-12 pick. Duke, Oral Roberts. I know Oral Roberts a couple of years ago had a lot of success. But Duke, they're playing outstanding basketball down the stretch, and they win the ACC championship under their first-year head coach. Shire's doing an outstanding job. San Diego State and Charleston, do you go that route? Miami, Florida, and Drake. Now, I know one of Miami's key cogs has been injured. He's a transfer in from the Arkansas State Red Wolves. So does that mean that 
They they may be upset as Drake. Do they are they getting it done? A lot of people love Kent, the Golden Flashes. Mike, in your bracket, yeah, I know you said it's which favorite. I haven't filled out yet. It's only Monday, but which is which is understandable. I mean, you you look at the first round matchups. You have to look at the first round matchups. The play in games are going to start tomorrow, but when we started looking at the first four out, I'll give you a couple upsets I like. We looked at the first four out yesterday in Oklahoma State. North Carolina, Rutgers, oh, Rutgers, and Clemson. Rutgers got screwed. Man. So if, if if Rutgers got screwed and you feel like they should have been in, yeah. who do you take out? Uh like Nevada had a case. Uh, there were there were a couple of, there were a couple others. I mean, it, when you get like to that sixty seventh, sixty eighth team, it, it really is close. But Rutgers wasn't a team. I I think Lenardi. Got 67 out of 68 teams in his bracket, and the one he didn't get right was he had Rutgers over Nevada, which uh, you know just t- tells you tells you quite a bit. Uh, we'll we'll see if any of these teams make a run. In terms of upsets, the 512 is obviously the uh, the common hot pick. Charleston won a lot of ball games this year. They're playing San Diego State up in Alabama's region in the South. Uh, I, I don't think they beat any quad one teams, if I'm not mistaken. Duke Oral Roberts is another 5-12, although I think I think Duke's making a run in this tournament. They're playing their best basketball right now. I think they're better than a five seed. I the, I told you the one I like best is uh, VCU over St. Mary's. If you watch the West Coast Conference championship game, St. Mary's kind of just got physically dominated by Gonzaga. VCU is a pretty physically imposing team themselves. I like VCU over St. Mary's quite a bit. I like uh, I like Furman over Virginia in the South. The thirteen beating the four. I just don't think Virginia's very good. They they uh, are anemic on offense. They really struggle to score points. I think it would be an ideal matchup for Alabama in the Sweet Sixteen. But like I said, I don't think they're getting that far. We'll see what happens. Play-in games are always great when you start looking at this quick turnaround from Sunday, finding out who you're going to have till Tuesday, just to have a play-in game. That's what makes it tough. And I, I agree with Drew Donaldson in the app. Memphis, number eight seed, dangerous is what Drew Donaldson thinks. And I, I the way I saw Memphis compete and play, even though Houston yep. was without their leading scorer and their best player, Penny Hardaway, even when they were at full strength during the regular season, when they played at Houston, Memphis had an opportunity to beat Houston. And I like what Penny Hardaway has been able to do at Memphis. And I think that does make them very dangerous. And somebody else wanted to to comment about Auburn being in Birmingham. Well, I, I think the fact that Auburn and Birmingham, I think that's great for this state. The state of basketball at this point in time, UAB is going to the NIT tournament. They're going to be playing Southern Miss who was the regular season Sunbelt Conference champion. UAB and Southern Miss formerly in the same conference, so that kind of renews mm. that rivalry of Conference USA before they split. They play tomorrow at 6.30. Andy Kennedy and his squad lose in their conference championship game, but Southern Miss loses to South Alabama in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and in the regular season. So, I, I don't know. You just want to see the state of Alabama be represented yeah. very well. You want UAB 
Do you go against your Sunbelt Conference winner and them, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, playing Tennessee? That's a great matchup. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing if they can overcome a team in Tennessee that has really limped down the stretch and hasn't played their best basketball as evident in their defeat against the Missouri Tigers. Uh, it, it's good for basketball in the state of Alabama, Auburn Auburn playing in Birmingham. I, I just don't see how, if you're the committee, you justify that to Iowa or, or to Houston. So, uh, you're telling Houston, essentially, great job earning a one seed, great season. Here, here's your reward. you got to play a road game in the second round of the NCAA tournament. I, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You, there's, there is no way to justify that. Well, I tell you, you know, again, as we continue throughout this day here on the final drive, find another spot to where you feel Auburn should have gone. And if you're able to find another spot where they should have gone, Houston, if you're a number one seed, you have to find a way to take care of your business, and we'll see if they're able to knock off Northern Kentucky and then possibly face the Auburn Tigers in the second round. And if you're Auburn, you're licking your chops if you're Bruce Pearl. And those guys, knowing it's one game at a time. But it's March Madness, baby. Anything can happen. You're listening to the final drive here with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Make sure you listen for that one shining moment. Luther Vandross medley to qualify for our 2023 March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue this coming Wednesday. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, joining you this magnificent Monday afternoon. And it's March Madness time. We've had our fair share of buzzer beaters in the conference tournaments. And coming this coming Wednesday, downtown Moe's Barbecue, 6 o'clock p.m., you'll have an opportunity to qualify for our prize package here that consists of a flat-screen television along with two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three people. That can be two adults and one child from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And if you're calling the opening kickoff or here on the final drive and you, you're not one of those qualifiers to be the first person to call our show, well, don't worry. You can still join us for an opportunity because we're going to be qualifying contestants and having an opportunity to put your name in the hat to win our grand package here from WNSP. And someone who saw Alabama win the grand package this afternoon or this past weekend in the SEC tournament Tony Sakalis joining us here on the final drive. Good afternoon, Tony. Hey, how's it going? Absolutely too blessed to be stressed. And Tony, with you being the managing editor for Tide Illustrated, I know that in the last couple of years, Alabama's had an opportunity to really turn itself into a basketball program. And that's something that everybody knows about the football dynasty. But when you're filling out brackets, when you hear anything about postseason play, you're used to hearing Nick Saban and college football's playoffs, not Alabama, a number one seed in the college basketball tournament. Yeah, this is the first time I think Alabama fans can 
unbiasedly fill out an, a bracket without them winning at all and, and not be, you know, criticized as being delusional. I, I think when you look at this other than the team, obviously it's the number one overall seed, so of course it has a chance of winning, but you break down its path uh, to the Final Four, um, I think it's got a favorable path. I think it's a team that can beat you in a, di- a bunch of different ways. And, yeah, it's a real title contender. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, this basketball team already has had a better season than the football team, and that doesn't happen very often in Alabama. I agree with you. And an outstanding performance in the SEC championship game by the Crimson Tide, winning 82-63, to picking up their 29th win this coming this season and the three-pointers were falling early for Alabama 12 out of 36 and I know that's only 33 percent but I think that that if they're able to get into any type of offensive rhythm early against any opponent you're going to be in trouble definitely and then you see things like you know Brandon Miller he didn't shoot really well uh but you'd see him shoot a three, miss it, get his own rebound back. And those are the kind of things, if you give Alabama multiple chances, multiple bites at the apple, they're, they're really going to make you pay. Um, and so the shooting is always the first thing I think people look at. And Alabama can go up and down with that. It's really the hustle plays and the rebounding and the length that, that makes this team so deadly, in my opinion. I agree with you there. And that's a situation where when Alabama played Texas A&M a week ago, just probably weren't able to get it done, out-rebounded Texas A&M by plus 13, and that was the difference to me in Sunday's championship game. But moving forward, that target on Alabama's back, that bullseye just got much bigger because we know all the adversity that Alabama's been facing throughout this entire season and had been ranked number one. And what happened when they were ranked number one, it goes away within less than a week. And then they turn around, and now Alabama's number one in the final regular season AP poll, their highest ranking ever at the end of an AP regular season. Yeah, the thing with Alabama is now it's it's do or die. There's no, you know, safety net. There's no, oh, you know, came out had a whoopsie-daisy game. You you can't have some of these slow starts that you've been having. You can't take anyone for granted because it's, this is it. Every it's a one-game season for you know possibly the next six games. Um, Alabama's got to do what it does. Uh, it should be favored most of the way, but um, we've seen this team kind of get off the bad starts or have a game where they just weren't totally there. They can't do that anymore. They they have to learn from those mistakes. It, it certainly seems like you know they put together a really solid run in the SEC tournament. So you know you, you ask yourself, are they clicking at the right time? Uh, it's kind of weird because I think Alabama was playing not its best brand of basketball, but I think that they might slowly be kind of building towards that. I think, you know, also having those two games in Birmingham will help them as well. Um, you know, I, I don't think they should have any trouble getting out of Birmingham, and then you go to Louisville for the Sweet 16, and I think that's when it really gets interesting. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if it's a, a sign of things to come in terms of the SEC tournament, Tony. Uh, like you said, they hadn't been playing their, their best basketball by any stretch the, f- the four games previous to that. I, I mean, Mark Sears, I think, is a good example of this team's struggles over over the past you know month and a half or so. He's really been their number two scoring option for the entire season. I, I mean... Do you have any thoughts on what has happened with Mark Sears over really the past month or two? Uh, he just, he's been a different player than he was the first half of the season. 
Yeah, and Alabama definitely needs them. It's, it's, they're, they're fortunate <laughs> where Mark Sears has dropped off, Devon Quinley's picked up. So, I mean, like, Alabama's been able to kind of offset that. But you're talking about someone that's their second-leading scorer. Uh, used to be a, a deadly guy from three. Now he's got, you know, he's struggling to hit shots. He's, he's you know, very inconsistent. He, he, you know, there was, you know, there's still games where he manages to get points, and he's a good free throw shooter at the end. But um, I, they're going to need him to click. Uh, they can't have him just go 0 for 6, 0 for 7 against some of these quality opponents. He's going to have to be a factor for them uh, moving forward. And, you know, he, like you said, he, he has a few games to kind of shake it out. Um, maybe he gets his, you know, his rhythm back over these, you know, over the next two games. Like I said, I don't really feel like Alabama's going to be tested all that much in these next two games. Um, and maybe he starts hitting his stride. But um, Alabama obviously can win without him. But at the same time, I think if you're really going to make a title run, you're going to need a guy like Mark Sears to be clicking. Tony, all tournament team, Charles Bediaco, Javon Quinterly, and Brandon Miller all SEC tournament team honors. And there was no doubt that Brandon Miller was going to be the tournament MVP. But Charles Bediaco has really played an outstanding tournament in the SEC. And if he can stay out of foul trouble, I think that he continues to be the difference maker for Alabama, not only producing anywhere from 8 to 10 points. That's bonus for him, but his defensive presence on the floor makes a tremendous difference. I mean, look, NATO said that the game against Texas A&M was the best game Charles Bediaco's played in Alabama uniform. you got to think he's right. I mean, 12 points, 13 rebounds, 5 blocks. Um that's you know that's going to win you a lot of games, and I think if you're looking at you know reasons to be really optimistic about Alabama's title chances, you got to look at Betty Yako, and he's the kind of guy that um, it's not necessarily the offensive production like you said, but those five blocks. If he can just be a presence down low and just use that seven foot frame to you know just kind of stop play, uh, opposing teams from driving to the lane, I think that that could be. Uh, crucial for Alabama. You, you mentioned to him staying out of foul trouble. That is going to be big. Even in the game that he had against Texas a he ended up fouling out. Um, they're going to need him to be a little bit more disciplined, but I, I think he will play a, a significant role. And if you look um, like, at, like at a team like Arizona, you know, you get to the Elite Eight and you're trying to make the Final Four, and Arizona's got two bigs that, you know, average what, like, basically 35 points combined. Um, you're going to need uh, you know, someone to, to, to stop that. Alden has struggled against, you know, bigger scores in, in the past. And I think Charles Bediaco, especially in a matchup like that, is going to be really key. Not only Bediaco, but Noah Clowney as well has kind of been up and down in terms of his consistency. And it, I mean, it, it's interesting because Alabama has a deep rotation of bigs. I mean, Noah Gurley came in and Probably played probably better in the SEC tournament than he's played for the entire season. I, I mean, where where do you see Alabama's rotation at 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 the big man position? It, really, the four and five, just because you know Noah Gurley played more in the SEC tournament than he had played in the past couple of months. Yeah, I think you you know I think Mato kind of said it earlier. He, he likes moving Jaden um, uh, Bradley in for Javon Quinterly, and then moving when they move. Brandon Miller to the four and Connie to the five, but then as a starting, you know, duo, I think you have Connie at the four and Bediaco at the five with Quinterly in. Um, obviously, uh, Bradley's not the best 
shooters. So I think if you were playing a little bit smaller or playing with a little bit better shooters, it's okay to have his ability to drive to the lane. And obviously, Bediaco is not the best shooter, so you kind of offset that by having a better shooting guard by uh, like Javon Quinterly. So they'll continue to balance it out like that. But I expect you know both those guys to get serious minutes. And then Nick Pringle is a guy that you know you talk about another person if you're looking at that front court that could just provide energy, uh, a lot of athleticism. You know, and, and Noah Gurley. So, you know, they've got some, some talent in the front court. Like, everyone does a little bit something different. I mean, you know, Noah Gurley can hit some clutch shots. He's also got the veteran presence. Nick Pringle can jump out of a, you know, gym. Uh, then you got Connie, who's probably going to leave for the NBA uh, in a few months. And then um, Charles Bediaka, who's, you know, the best defensive player on the team. So everyone in that front court, you know, kind of serves their little role. Tony Bama was a two seed in 2021 when they lost to UCLA. Of course, Alabama being the overall number one seed, playing either Southeast Missouri State or Texas A&M Corpus Christi. That's a quick turnaround for those teams that are getting locked and loaded into Dayton in the playing game and them having to turn around and play a Thursday game as well. If you're Alabama, the toughest thing to do to kind of prepare and to scout is you're scouting two teams in one as you're getting ready to prepare for the winner out of Maryland and West Virginia also. Yeah, you know, that's something that they know to probably split up. I think, you know, he'll probably take one and then he'll give the, his assistant the other and then, you know, they'll, they'll swap, you know, notes and stuff like that. Uh, that's usually the way they handle that. Um, you know, and then obviously Alvin's going to get them to see them play on Tuesday. Um, then there's also the, you know, fatigue of that. You know, not only do they have to play a team that they're going to be overmatched against in Alabama, the winner of that game is going to have to go from Dayton on Tuesday night, you know, fly down to Birmingham, get ready and play. Well, Alabama's just, you know, going down the road to their backyard uh, in Birmingham. So that's a huge advantage as well. Well, the advantage is all for the Crimson Tide right now is they're the overall number one seed for the first time in program history, fourth time in program history, being ranked number one overall by the AP. Again, their highest regular season final ranking in school history. And it's really good to see Nate Oates and what he's been able to do for Alabama basketball because what it does is elevates the rest of the state. Just like Auburn four years ago or five years ago brought their state's first Final Four opportunity in men's basketball. Now you have Alabama and Auburn, and the state is better when you can have great basketball, and especially Auburn being blessed to go to Birmingham. Let's get it in the state of Alabama from a basketball standpoint. Yeah, it's definitely been fun to watch. I mean, it's cool that, you know, Alabama and Auburn will both get to play in Birmingham. That's just a – you can't even script that. I think it's, that's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, hopefully both of those teams bring out their fan bases and get that place rocking, you know, when, when they're both on the court. Because, you know, it would be, like you said, a really good way to represent the basketball we have in the state. Um, and, yeah, it's, 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 it's really picked up over the last few years, and I think, you know, you're going to see that in the tournament. Tony Sakalas, managing editor for Tide Illustrated, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Appreciate it and look forward to your coverage this Thursday as the Alabama Crimson Tide take on the winner out of Southeast Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Tony, how can everyone follow your works and everything you have following the Crimson Tide? 
Sure, the site's at TitleIllustrated.com. We're part of the Rivals Network. You can follow us at TitleIllustrated on Twitter. You can follow me at Tony underscore Sukalis on Twitter. And my last name spelled T-S-O-U-K-A-L-A-S. Appreciate you for joining this afternoon. And everyone on the final drive, make sure that you tune in and listen for that one shining moment opportunity to where you can qualify for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge that will be this Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue, 6 o'clock p.m. Michael Braun and I will be there live doing the final drive from 3 to 6 We look forward to seeing all our qualifiers there because, again, remember, if you qualified, you must be present to win. And if you're not lucky enough to get into the opening drive or our show here, the final drive. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star in all the years. You know what that song means. Get on the phone and guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. And a chance to win a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. And that can be two adults and one child from our friends at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And that's an outstanding prize package that you don't want to have an opportunity to miss out on. That one shiny moment that's being played by Luther Vandross. Michael just played that and taking the first caller there here. And when you start looking at this tournament, I think that Alabama having that bullseye on their back at number one, it'll be interesting to see if if they can go ahead and and punch their ticket because, again, so many people have said throughout the entire year, Alabama, especially after they defeated North Carolina in that triple or quadruple overtime game, I forget how many overtimes they played, but at the time, North Carolina was ranked number one and then going on the road to Houston and winning at Houston, being down on the road, that was huge too to prove that Alabama could compete and play against anyone in the country. And the personnel is there to have a Final Four appearance and to to make history there for the school. But Houston, Purdue, and Kansas, can all four number ones make the national championship game? That normally does not happen. And because that does not happen, that's something that, It's real hard on your bracket. Does your bracket, do you have all four number ones advancing to the final four? Or do you have a Cinderella? And who's that Cinderella going to be this 2023 March Madness tournament style? And, Mike, I know we have a qualifier for that 2023 March Madness matchup challenge we're having this coming Wednesday at most. It's it's Michael. Heck of a name. Heck of a qualifier. So he's going to be coming out on Wednesday. Keep calling, guys. We're going to keep on doing it. Want to make sure that you do qualify when you hear that one shining moment song by Luther Vandross. Be the first to call 251-694-1055 is how you can get in. And will it be all number ones? Will there be Alabama get knocked out before they even leave Birmingham? 
Well, it's called March Madness for a reason. Can Auburn turn the corner? We'll find out from Bruce Pearl and company. They'll have new life. And coming up next, we'll talk and transition into a lot of football because free agency and the tampering is off the table now with the NFL. Antoine Staley. Aaron Rodgers, is he coming? Is he going? We'll find out from Mr. Staley next here on The Final Drive. It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile. Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number two of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And don't forget that you can listen for that one shining moment music from Luther Vandross to qualify for our 2023 March Madness matchup challenge this coming Wednesday. 6 o'clock p.m. at Moe's Barbecue downtown to where our grand prize winner will be winning a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three people on two separate jet skis from our friends at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And all you have to do is make sure that you show up. You have to be present at Moe's Barbecue downtown at 6 o'clock p.m. this coming Wednesday to qualify. And we're taking our fans who don't get an opportunity to get in touch with the opening kickoff for here on the final drive. Eight spots will be open, so you'll have plenty of opportunities to still get in to our 2023 March Madness matchup challenge. And there's been a lot of NFL matchups going on this March and it's definitely been madness from a free agency standpoint and one of those players in the game has been Aaron Rodgers and we felt it was great to have Antoine Staley jet storyteller for the New York Daily News joining us this afternoon to let us know what's the latest on Aaron Rodgers because I know earlier today there had been some reports that Rodgers had the deal was done and he was coming to New York. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that's been finalized as of yet, so we're still waiting, although, you know, reports and players are getting decided, so it seems like it's some rumblings out there. So we'll see what happens tonight and maybe into tomorrow, but it seems like it is, happening. It is a little bit closer to happening. Well, something that did happen for the Jets today, Mike White, he goes ahead and goes to the Miami Dolphins as Tua Tungavailoa's backup. And that was interesting news there because, again, White having time and going to a divisional foe in the Miami Dolphins. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought I saw that coming. I've heard rumblings, like even after the season it ended, that you know the Dolphins were looking for a backup quarterback, and I thought Mike White would be a good fit there. Um, a lot of people did too, because because he's from the area. He grew up in Fort Lauderdale, which is right there in the Miami area, born and raised. Dolphins looking for a veteran backup quarterback with two, especially considering his injury history. So why not? You know, still uh, back up a quarterback from the Jets, and you know, have a you know solidified backup situation for the Dolphins. So it's a great fit for Miami, and you know they've had a really tremendous offseason. Although it just got started, but they're having a good offseason so far. Antoine, it's obviously it seems like this Aaron Rodgers to the Jets news is imminent. Whether it comes out today, tomorrow, the next day, next week, I, I think everyone's kind of in unison that this is going to happen. Uh, I mean, do how much do you think this? Obviously, it elevates the Jets in that their biggest issue was quarterback play. The AFC is a lot better than the NFC. Do you think this, that this truly, in reality, makes the Jets a Super Bowl contender? Super Bowl contender, no, not just on itself because they definitely need to make uh, more moves in order to get there. But you know, I definitely think it makes them to a playoff, a playoff contender. There, I mean, you got the Bills there in the division who um, ended up winning it last year. The Dolphins, as I talked about, have made tremendous moves. They ended up getting Jalen Ramsey uh, yesterday, so I think that solidifies their defense, especially you know, also getting Vic Fangio as, as well. So I think they'll be improved uh, up this upcoming year as well. So just their division alone. It's going to be uh, game busters. And, you know, you can say whatever you want to about the Patriots, but they did beat the Jets twice last year. So they're going to have to conquer those demons, too. So 14 times in a row, Antoine. Say that again? 14 times in a row the Patriots have beaten yeah. the Jets. Exactly. So I wouldn't necessarily say they're Super Bowl contenders, but I definitely think they are playoff contenders. The Jets coming off a 7-10 and 10 season. Now, with Jets management, what direction do you go in if – the curveball is thrown to where Aaron Rodgers decides, I'm just going to go ahead and retire. So now does that put the Jets in a situation to where they're trying to find another free agent? Or are they trying to go ahead and say, all right, we're, our focus is finding our future quarterback in the draft? Because we see what move the Panthers made on Friday, moving up all the way to the number one overall draft pick. Is that something, not necessarily trading picks, but the Jets, Aaron Rodgers, or bust? Basically, yeah, because now, like, Jimmy Garoppolo's off the board. The Raiders, uh, he's going to sign with the Raiders and things like, you know, for all the all the reports there. You, you want to have to try to get Derek Carr, too, as well. He signed with the Saints as well. So, in that situation, so, yeah, I mean, a lot of your options that, you know, contingency plans that you had, are all gone. So you count on Aaron Rodgers to try to get this deal that it okay and otherwise I mean you're down to like Jacoby Brissett and uh, Baker Bayfield and you know as far as the staff drafting another quarterback I don't necessarily know they have the time to devote somebody considering that you know they were 7-4 at one point last year in December. They had an opportunity to make the playoffs and end up losing six straight to end the year. This team feels the heat. That's why they want to go get an Aaron Rodgers because they understand what it is. They understand they have to make the playoffs and then that 12-year drought this upcoming year or a lot of people are going to be looking for jobs in the offseason. Talking to Antoine Staley from the New York Daily News, covers the Jets. Antoine, I, with Derek Carr, it seemed like the Jets and Robert Sala and Woody Johnson, it seemed like they had a good meeting and it seemed like that was a possibility. Do you think that the reason Derek Carr ultimately signed with the Saints was 
A, the NFC South is terrible and it's going to be much easier to win with the Saints, or, or B, the Jets were more so waiting on Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr just said, you know what, I, I'm going to do, I'm going to sign with a team that's all in on, on uh, Derek Carr. Mostly, I think it's the second one. I think Derek Carr, Derek Carr, from what I understand, wanted to sign with the Jets, but they didn't want to give him necessarily. Uh, they wanted to wait to see what Aaron Rodgers wanted to do. So, and I understand that because obviously Aaron Rodgers' resume and you know the fact that Nathaniel Hackett has worked with him in the past and he knows the offense. They clearly, you know, that was their option A, and Derek Carr was kind of option B. So you're trying to play both sides at the same time, but you don't necessarily want to lose Derek Carr. But at some point, especially considering. Carr wanted to sign before free agency. That I mean, considering he could decide anywhere, you know, he decided to sign with the Saints because they gave him such a really good offer, and you know, they, he was their plan A all along. So why not go somewhere where you're you're the number one option as opposed to with the Jets? Like he still would have been waiting, you know, to see what Aaron Rodgers was going to do. So yeah, and I think it's definitely the second option more so than it is the first. Quincy Williams does decide to re-sign, and you already have C.J. Mosley, so. Defensively, the Jets are trying to step it up. And I think that they say defense wins championships. But when you have a strong linebacking core, I I think that that goes a long way to having you a lot of success in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, they they still need another linebacker because, you know, Quan Alexander, who's who's from Alabama, crazy enough, uh, he's going to be a free agent this offseason. I don't think they're going to be able to re-sign him. It was either him or Quincy Williams, and they decided to go with Quincy. Obviously, you know, his brother Quentin is there. So you definitely want to keep Quentin happy. Uh, And another way to keep him happy is his contract extension. But, you know, I think they're going to end up going in a different direction. But, you know, this just defense, they went from 32nd to 4th last year and points allowed and also yardage. You know, they're looking to get even better, you know, this upcoming year. They end up trading for uh, Chuck Clark from the Baltimore Ravens. They help. They think that'll help their secondary a little bit more. Uh, it was some suspect, you know, coverage issues there at the secondary last year, and they hope Clark can end up help, helping with that and also addressing some other needs there defensively, too, like defensive tackle. Well, anytime you have brothers on the roster, it always helps with the dynamic on what you want to do, and you mentioned – Quentin Williams from the Birmingham area along with his brother and now you have C.J. Mosley so there's plenty of Alabama flavor that is sprinkled on this Jets roster but at the end of the day I know the Jets coaching staff came to the Reese's Senior Bowl and were able to see up close and personal a couple of years ago and get an opportunity to have hands-on experience with a lot of these upcoming draft picks what direction do you think the Jets will actually go in the NFL draft because if you're not able to get this Rodgers deal done which hopefully you will and but Aaron Rodgers is a different type of dude now I mean because <laughs> you know you go out and you put yourself in the darkness this negotiation may go on for longer and pass the NFL draft in order to get one done well, they hope not. <laughs> like that, that situation, then they're in a better world of trouble. But I think it'll get. I think if it's going to get done, but then again, I thought it would have got done by now. So who, who's, who knows? Like Aaron Rodgers is on his own clock. He knows he has the power really in both franchises' hands. 
I think for the Packers' sake, they're they're willing to just go ahead and move on now to Jordan Love, which you know they ended up drafting them three years ago. So I definitely understand that. But you know, as far as your question, as far as what direction they might go in the draft, I think the offensive line is still a big need there. They definitely need a center. Connor McGovern is a free agent there. Uh, as far as the tackle position there, you do have Dwayne Brown that's scheduled to come back at left tackle, but he'll be 38 years old uh, this upcoming season. So I don't know how much longer you can rely on him. And he also did take Makai Beckton a few years ago, but he's had injury concerns. So I definitely think tackle uh, right or left could be a potential option there in the NFL draft too. Well, I think it's going to be key no matter what the Jets decide to do. If Aaron Rodgers is going to be the signal caller, the lights are definitely going to be brighter in New York. Oh, yeah. And Aaron Rodgers entering his 19th year, I, I think, you know, he's used to the big and bright lights, even though he's in Green Bay and is a Super Bowl winner and a, a future Hall of Famer. But I, I just think that with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, the scrutiny and the pressure on the coaching staff is going to be even greater, like you said, to get out of that basement in their division. Yeah, they know. Like I said, they know what it is. That's why you try to swing up for a home run instead of, you know, hitting for a single or a double, which they could have got. They could have got Derek Carr, and I think a lot of people would have said, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That's a safe move. But they're going for the home run because they know they need to in a critical year. I know owner Woody Johnson did not give the coaching staff and, you know, Joe Douglas, the general manager, a playoff mandate when we met with him in January. But the fact of the matter is, you're in New York. You're in the, there's a lot of media scrutiny, as you uh, alluded to. And your team has not made the playoffs since 2010. And then you saw this year, in his first year, Brian Dayball, you had to watch, you know, Bit Brother make the playoffs in his first year there at, on the job. So that makes the scrutiny even more so. The pressure, the heat, the seat is warm. The seat is warming up really, really high for Robert Sala and Joe Douglas. So they understand what it is. They have to get the job done this year or. Like I say, major changes are going to take place. Antoine Staley, writer for the New York Daily News. Can't thank you enough for joining us this afternoon on the final drive. And we'll continue to wait to see what the Jets do with Aaron Rodgers and if he's indeed in that white and green next season or whether the Jets have to totally scratch that and do a 180 and do a turnabout and quickly find a new quarterback as other quarterbacks or dissolving off the board. If people want to follow you and to see all of the latest breaking news on the Jets and C.J. Mosley, our local Theodore, Alabama product, and other big-time news events that are going on with the Jets, how can they follow you? Yes, my name Antoine Staley on Twitter, also at the New York Daily News, too, as well. Antoine Staley, thank you for your time this afternoon on the final drive, and we look forward to seeing if Aaron Rodgers, you'll have plenty to click and type about about Rodgers becoming a Jet. I thank you. We'll be right back here on the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner joining you. Don't forget to listen for your one shining moment and Make sure that you click on our app to join our bracket challenge, or better yet, join us at Moe's Barbecue downtown this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. to where we'll be broadcasting live for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge. Hi, I'm Vern Lundquist from CBS Sports. You're listening to WNST Mobile, Alabama. 
The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's know what that means the one shining moment that you can have to be a qualifier here on WNSP you get Mike on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday or excuse me this coming Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and a chance to win a brand new flat screen television from Day Bailey's TV and mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends that could be two adults and one child from Gulf Coast Water Rentals Again, seeing you and qualifying this coming Wednesday, two days from now, as we will begin our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown. And you don't want to miss out on that. And, of course, as soon as Mike played that one shiny moment, the phone lines began to ring and ring and ring. And, again, if you're not able to qualify, then you have an opportunity to where we'll have eight contestants. Eight spots will be open, so you have a chance to get in and become a qualifier the night of the event. And remember that when you qualify, you must be present to win at Moe's Barbecue in downtown Mobile. And, Mike, I know that we have a qualifier that did win and want to congratulate our qualifier, Mike, who... Who qualified? George. Congratulations to George. George went ahead and qualified. Now, George, make sure that you are present because you do have to be present in order to win. And what you're doing is you're going to pick out that random team that's competing in the tournament. And if your team is the winner of the big dance, the team that you draw, you'll have an opportunity to win that Gulf Coast Water Rentals two one-hour jet ski rentals along with the flat-screen television that's coming from Bailey's TV and mattress. And as we were talking with Andrew Staley, excuse me, Antoine Staley, last segment, we talked about the movement that's going on in the NFL free agency. Well, it's time to pay you. Deron Payne getting paid $90 million to go ahead and remain with the commanders and only Aaron Donald is being paid higher than he is. And, of course, we also talked about Jimmy Garoppolo moving on and signing a huge contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. Three years, $67 million, 34 guaranteed. And an Auburn product, Jarrett Stidham, he'll be moving on from Vegas on to the Denver Broncos, a two-year. Oh $10 million backing up he Russell Wilson. In the, in, by starting that game against San Francisco. Well, that's not too shabby. Good for Jared Stidham. When you're a backup quarterback in the National Football League and you can go ahead and get five mil guaranteed, by all means, go ahead and do that. Because, again, you're the, more pre the, the most pressure is on Russell Wilson. So if you're Jared Stidham, who had an outstanding career at Auburn, you're happy that you're continuing to – 
have a football career with the Denver Broncos, and we mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo going to Las Vegas and becoming their new signal caller. And someone who's been in the league before was A.J. McCarron. And A.J. McCarron continues to impress in the XFL this past weekend, 20 out of 27, 214 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception to where the St. Louis Battlehawks, they defeated Arlington 24-11 to in front of almost 40,000 fans in St. Louis in their first home game. So when you start having that type of debut, I think the St. Louis fans are still salty that the Rams exited the premises and are still having a need for football as evident in 38,000 fans showing up to St. Louis to watch A.J. McCarron be victorious in his home debut. and That's impressive. Bring the NFL back to St. Louis. It, there's definitely been talk about if you're going to bring a franchise, where Chargers are you going to bring out, it to? Take the Chargers out of L.A. Well, I, I don't really think that's going to happen. But, again, I do think that St. Louis, St. Louis could sustain another NFL franchise. And while we're talking about local quarterbacks, again, Brandon Silvers, continuing to do his thing in the XFL, undefeated 4-0 as he was 24 out of 30 for 239 yards and three touchdowns as the Houston Roughnecks had a huge win this weekend. And you love to see those guys be successful, especially our two local quarterbacks that are in the XFL. And we'll continue probably to talk to Brandon next week to see how his progression is going at the halfway point of the XFL season. Again, a 10-week XFL season, and we'll see how A.J. and Brandon continue to do for their franchises. But is that time of year to where quarterbacks and everybody else are getting paid, and we are still on Aaron Rodgers' watch, Mike, and as evident in our last opportunity. But this weekend, the Dolphins had a pretty – Impressive signing as well as when you look at Jalen Ramsey coming to the Miami Dolphins defensively. Is Jalen Ramsey that pro bowler corner or is his better days behind him? I mean, his best football is probably behind him. I mean, he was the best corner in the league for a few years, and those days are over. And aren't coming back. He's not gonna. He's not gonna return to that kind of form. But you can get Jalen Ramsey for a third round pick and and only be financially tied to him for a year. It's a pretty sweet deal if you're Miami. Well, I mean, he's only 28 years old, and I think that from a corner situation, as long as he can stay healthy, I think that defensively that's a huge bolster for them. But it's good to know also who the Dolphins have backing up. Tua Tungabailoa. Now, I know Teddy Bridgewater had done that, and, of course, he got injured. So the Dolphins go ahead and sign Mike White from the Jets to go ahead and back him up. But offensively, we already know the Dolphins have a lot of firepower. I think defensively, when you do hire or, or sign someone like Jalen Ramsey, that that's huge. And maybe Mike White will even uh, take over the starting job by week five. And when you have your teammates, Tariq Hill, and Teron Armstead and Bradley Chubb making room for this type of corner, I think that that goes to show that the Dolphins really want to get things done as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the Dolphins on paper are one of the better rosters in the league, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tua can stay healthy, but I think if Tua does get hurt again, it's not a complete disaster by any stretch. I think Mike White is uh, significantly better than Teddy Bridgewater. They're certainly significantly better than Skylar Thompson, who started their playoff game. And, uh, you know, probably almost as good as Tua, uh, as much as you might not want to hear that. I think that when you start finding your fit as a free agent, you know, Xavier Howard was already one of those solid corners for the Dolphins. And Fangio, he goes ahead and as a defensive coordinator, I don't think he's going to bring anyone in his system, regardless of whether they're a pro bowler or not, to see if they can go ahead and overtake the Buffalo Bills in that division. Because the Buffalo Bills, the last couple of years, have just absolutely been able – to get it done in the regular season and have struggled in the postseason, losing that epic game to the Chiefs. And, of course, last year, everything that Buffalo went with went through, we'll see if the division will shift with the Dolphins improving their defense and the Jets possibly getting Aaron Rodgers. Coming up next, we'll continue to talk March Madness as there are a couple of new coaches, one new coach in the SEC for sure, Ole Miss pulled the trigger today. We'll talk to Brad Logan to see about Ole Miss's new coach coming up next. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNST. Roll Tide. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, joining you here on this magnificent Monday. March Madness is here, folks. Have you got your brackets filled out? We sure hope that you're continuing to fill them out and getting ready to join us at Moe's Barbecue downtown at 6 o'clock p.m. This coming Wednesday, where you have an opportunity, if you are a qualifier, to have picked a name, a random team that's competing in the NCAA tournament, you'll be paired with that random team that you draw, and hopefully you'll make history and have an opportunity to get that prize package of that brand-new flat-screen TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three people on two separate jet skis. That could be two adults and one child that ride out on the water from our friends at Gulf Coast Water Rentals. Want to thank Bailey's TV and Mattress and Gulf Coast Water Rentals for providing our prize package this year in the 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge. And March Madness means that there's been some comings and goings of head coaches, that are around collegiately, Will Wade. Well, that name sounds familiar because he is from LSU, and there may be a show clause that comes with him, but he is the new head men's coach at McNeese State. So McNeese State went ahead and pulled the trigger. Of course, Damon Stoudemire to Georgia Tech. Stoudemire Mighty Mouse is what we used to call him in the NBA he has an opportunity now to probably lead Georgia Tech's program as Josh Pasner has been shown the door. Coach Patrick Ewing shown the door at Georgetown along with 
Coach Anderson at St. John. So all these jobs, intriguing jobs that are to be taken. And one of the jobs that was filled today was one that was in the Southeastern Conference. And Chris Beard, he is now the new head coach at Ole Miss. And that's a big-time hire from Ole Miss. And we'll see exactly what they decide to do with it in regards to recruiting. Does it affect them immediately? We'll ask someone who may know Brad Logan joins us next here on the final drive. Brad, good afternoon. How's it going? Doing really well. I appreciate you having me on today. It's my pleasure. Uh, new head coach for the Ole Miss Rebels. As soon as this position became available by head coach Kermit Davis. One of the two names that was immediately mentioned was Chris Beard, and it's been made official by athletic director Keith Carter, and the Ole Miss Rebel family is tremendously excited about having Coach Beard in the building. Yeah, there's no doubt, and um, you know, you made a great point about recruiting. Ole Miss had one a decommitment from Jackson Prep down in Jackson, Mississippi, who uh, verbally committed to Mississippi State earlier today. That's Josh Hubbard. He's the number one scoring player in the entire state of Mississippi in its history. But one name that uh, that, that everyone was kind of looking at is Rashad Marshall out of Blyville, Arkansas, the four-star player, uh, according to our service at 247 Sports, recommitted to Ole Miss today. He had asked for his release from his NLI. Chris Beard, before being announced, went to see uh, Rashard Marshall. That's how much he meant uh, to this Ole Miss signing class. So it's already off to a huge start, and uh, Chris Beard has not officially been announced as a head coach in his press conference yet. He's already out hitting the recruiting trail. Look, I mean, you know, you look at this Ole Miss program, and I'm not telling you or the listeners anything you don't already know. When you look at the NCAA tournament, it rarely has Ole Miss in it. I mean, it's a program that's only been to the NCAA tournament six or seven times in its program history. And once it made the Sweet 16, and to tell you how long ago that was, its current AD athletic guy, current AD Keith Carter, was on the team. That was back in 1998. So uh, this is not a program that's rich in, in basketball history. And uh, to be quite honest with you, this is a huge hire for this program. It's one when you get a, a coach like a, a Chris Beard that's taken almost every team of these coach, whether it be Texas Tech when he took them back to the lead eight and also had the NCAA runner-up back in 2018-19, took uh, Little Rock to the round of 32. Uh, and you date all the way back to what he did at Texas and had a couple of stints, as we talked about earlier, with Texas Tech and, uh, you know, prepping – are learning so much under Bob Knight when he was over at Indiana. I, I think it just says a lot about Chris Beard and what he's going to be able to bring to a program and inject some energy, quite frankly, that has left this program over the last couple of years. No question that he's going to bring a lot of energy. I think the only cloud that it may just be a temporary cloud was the reason that he was fired by the Texas Longhorns back in January following an arrest December 12th. But Ole Miss president or an athletic director feel that they really did their due diligence in regards to checking out his background to making sure everything was on the up and up. And like you said, Andy Kennedy had infused a lot of energy into this program, but had been there long enough to where he just couldn't get them back into the NCAA tournament. So I think that with Coach Beard coming in and being cleared of any wrongdoing, that's steering the program in a new and right direction. Yeah, um, from a legal standpoint, you're right. He was cleared of any wrongdoing. But 
Obviously, there had to be a, a lot of due diligence from Chancellor Green Boyce, along with Director of Athletics Keith Carter. And I think it's some, to some extent Southeastern Conference Commissioner um, Greg Sankey. And so when, when all of those boxes get checked, I think, you know, Ole Miss felt it, was, it had done its due diligence. And I can assure you this, you know, Keith Carter's not doing anything untoward. He, he's a guy that, that keeps saying he's close to the vest. And, and I have no doubt turned every leaf possible in order to sign up on this hire. I know that Glenn Boyce, the chancellor of Ole Miss, gave full autonomy to Keith Carter to make this hire. And it will be official tomorrow, at least the official press conference, will be at 5 p.m. Central Time in the, in the pavilion on campus at Ole Miss. And uh, he'll meet with the media. And I expect there will be a lot of questions asked in regards to what happened at his dismissal at Texas. At the end of the day, it's an exciting day for a lot of Ole Miss fans to think that Ole Miss uh, not only hired a good basketball coach, they may have hired, in fact, I would argue they hired a coach with more postseason experience across the board, across any sport in the history of Ole Miss athletics. Brad, obviously no one is doubting that Chris Beard can coach. You could make the argument that he is really a top three. Probably as high as top three coach in college basketball, I would say. Uh, but if you're Keith Carter, how, how do you weigh his coaching ability versus the possibility of what what happened with his dismissal of, of at Texas? I mean, I, I understand that they. I'm sure they did their due diligence in finding out exactly what happened. I just how, how do you weigh uh, what what is ultimately going to be something you have to deal with PR wise? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. And I think at the end of the day, this is all about winning basketball games. Um, you know, we've seen the SEC do its its part by, by bringing out the moral police. Uh, when you talk about, um, you know, all the hires that have been made, Will Wade, of course, what happened at LSU. Now he's at McNeese State. We know what happened with the Children's Hospital. He's waiting for a show cause. Then you look down the road at Auburn with Bruce Pearl. We know what happened with him in Tennessee. But I think you look at he freeze down the road at Auburn with all of his, his, his situations he had to deal with at Ole Miss. I just think at the end of the day, you have to understand and do your due diligence, understand that what he was charged with, uh, it, it appears that, that those were, were not, those charges were dropped. And more importantly, really turning over the leaves and figuring out what happened, what was the decision based here. Talking with Texas officials, talking with Texas Tech officials, and then everywhere that Coach Chris Beard has been to see kind of what kind of coach you're getting. I have no doubt that uh, that Keith Carter talked to every person uh, that was important in this decision and got the backing from the uh, from the chancellor and uh, is excited about what's to come. I do know that. So I feel like that uh, if they made that decision, I think it was done with a lot of effort and a lot of very uh, very detailed phone calls. Well, not only a lot of detailed phone calls, one of the things that I think is also important for Ole Miss is when you look at the women's program and the women and what Coach Yo was able to do getting them into the big dance again this season. They have a huge matchup with Gonzaga themselves, but they are back in relevance in women's basketball. Yeah, and this is a program that they didn't win a conference game a couple of years ago. I mean, that, this is all 100% hard work by Coach Yolette McHugh, uh, McPhee. It, it's something that has really been fantastic to watch just from the outside looking in to see someone take over a program that was legitimately at the rock bottom. I mean, was at the bottom of the Southeastern Conference and to see a program rise 
to take a South Carolina to overtime, take it to the brink, and, and, and play teams on the road like Tennessee, the storied programs, and, and win against teams uh, that you've seen Ole Miss historically get beat by not only 5 to 10 points, but by 25 and 30 points. So what she's doing has been phenomenal to watch, and the crowds that have been on hand has been really cool to see. So you're right. If you can do that on the women's level at Ole Miss, why not do that on the men's level? We've seen what Coach Nate Oates has infused into a program that was in pretty difficult uh, position before he got there in regards to attendance, wins, and tournament appearances. Now, all of a sudden, Alabama is a preeminent team right now to not only get to the Final Four, but challenge for a national championship. So I think it can be done at Ole Miss. I think it could be a quick turnaround. I think Chris Beard's a really good coach to do that. Lane Kiffin is a really good coach. He always brings excitement and some one-line singers for the Ole Miss Rebel football program. And I know that as Auburn started a couple of weeks ago, you have Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and their spring practice. What can we look forward to the Rebels? I think with Lane Kiffin, what he's been able to do is just inject some immediate enthusiasm into a program that, quite frankly, was 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 always was also very very low under head coach Matt Luke when he was dismissed following uh, an, a loss to Mississippi State on the road in the Egg Bowl. So uh, it's an opportunity for you know I think from a a large if you look at a ten thousand feet view of this Ole Miss athletic program and you look at the Big Four with women's basketball, men's basketball football and baseball, I don't know that they've had, in fact, I can pretty safely say, they've never had a collection of head coaches in program history as good as these four. And, uh, you know, I think someone said it earlier, what's the recruiting trail going to look like? He's already hitting that recruiting trail with the recommitment of four-star Rashad Marshall. And also, guys, as you well know, that transfer portal cranked back up on Saturday, so I expect Ole Miss to really hit the portal hard. The last question I'll have for you in regards to Ole Miss is about their historic baseball program. And I know that everyone is getting ready to start SEC play. How are the Rebels going to do entering SEC play, and how have they done so far? Yeah, not everybody's necessarily worried about the offense. Is Right now, that even the transfers like Groff and – uh, you, you've got some players that came back in Chardonnay and, and, and the, the catcher, Calvin Air. So the offense is there. I think the biggest question marks are going to be pitching. Hunter Elliott, uh, the All-American pitcher from Cupolo, uh, Mississippi, had a, had a right URL issue or a left URL issue. Uh, it is not torn. They said it was strained. So they're hoping he can come back along with relief pitcher Riley Maddox. So the pitching staff, to me, guys, is, is really where – the rubber's going to meet the road because they crank up with Vanderbilt, a three-game series, starting this weekend in Nashville. So it's brutal. The first 10 weeks are going to be really, really difficult for Ole Miss. So we'll see what happens after those 10 weeks. I think they're going to hit the ball okay. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I am worried for Ole Miss in regard to its pitching staff, how it's going to look. Uh, specifically that first 10 weeks of conference play. Brad Logan, how can people follow you and everything that's going on with Ole Miss, especially all the breaking news about Coach Chris Beard and trying to retain recruits and regain interest in Ole Miss basketball?
Chris Beard. We lost Brad Logan there. I'm not quite sure if he was able to hear us, but Brad Logan is a contributor to Inside the Rebels on 24-7 Sports, and he has an Ole Miss podcast that he does and just does a tremendous job following Ole Miss and keeping up with the breaking news of Chris Beard hitting the ground running without even an introductory press conference today. He's trying to get a recommitment from a four-star recruit from Arkansas. So that just goes to show you the level that he's going to try to take this program to in the means hitting the ground running literally for the Ole Miss Rebels. You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Brauner. And, of course, free agency's frenzy in the NFL has continued to be ongoing. And the New Orleans Saints, of course, signing Derek Carr last week to be their new franchise quarterback, so to speak. And Derek Carr had an opportunity to talk with the media lad or this past weekend and here's a little clip from Derek Carr. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, this this really is a dream come true moment for me and the the warmth and the love that I felt, um, you know, from the city of New Orleans, Mrs. Benson, um, Mickey, D.A., the whole organization, the whole city has been unbelievable. Unbelievable experience for Derek Carr. For him, he felt like that this is his new home and he really is somewhere where he feels welcome. Didn't feel welcome by the Raiders. Felt like they only allowed him to talk with one team before his potential release and trade. And, Michael, that's that's hard to imagine that an organization or a franchise will only let you talk with one team. When you say only let him talk with one team, it's, I mean, he met with the Jets. From a negotiation standpoint, I was very, this is a quote for him, I was very willing to accept the trade, he said, and told ESPN, I was only able to talk to one team. Oh, I was okay. only given permission to talk to one team. So you're saying before it was a thing that they were going to release him and uh, and he was going to get to choose his own team. And, and he said, Dave and Josh at the Raiders, how does he make that decision when only time in the career that he's been or could possibly be free was this upcoming season and he couldn't make that decision. Well, so it's complicated because like teams like they'll give you permission to seek a trade and, and you're effectively a free agent, but you pick a team and then your own team still has to work out a trade package with the other team. So, you know, I, I, given all that, you understand from Derek Carr's perspective, just saying, you know what, cut me. I just, I, I want to completely cut the Raiders out of this process and, and let me do my own free agent tour. And, you know, again, you saw him meet with the Jets, and apparently it was a really good meeting, but the Jets obviously were waiting to see what Aaron Rodgers are going to do. Ultimately, I do think they're going to land Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I get it from Derek Carr's perspective. But I think that. The Saints really wanted him to be the number one target from the beginning. Yeah. I, I think that head coach Dennis Allen really wanted Derek Carr to be his signal caller, and I think that that's what the Saints did need. Now, whether he, again, can make the Saints better than 7-10 and 10 in that division, 
I, I think that he can. I should hope. And I think he will because if you look at if you're maybe eight and nine, you're you're the division champion at eight and nine. Just ask the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And speaking of the Buccaneers, will they sign Baker Mayfield to be their next signal caller? I don't know if he's the answer for Tampa Bay, but you're running out of options and opportunities to to have a quarterback that, that has NFL experience. I mean, apparently they like Kyle Trask, which good luck if, you, if you're going to go with Kyle Trask. I mean, yeah, he hasn't played a meaningful snap in the NFL, so we'll see. I guess I can't completely discount the possibility of him being competent, but what, the chances that Kyle Trask are good, I, I would say, are slim. I agree with you there. I, I just don't know what else you decide to do in that situation. If you are going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do, do you want Baker Mayfield? Do you think that he can bring value to your franchise? Do you think that he can go ahead and help you win the division as the starting quarterback in the NFC South? Well, we're going to find out in this upcoming NFL season with brand new quarterbacks throughout the NFC South and coming up in our number three here on the final drive on this Monday edition. We'll continue to talk March Madness and your brackets. Get it out, fill it out with us and let us know who you think is going to be the 2023 national champion and cut down the nets. Is it the Alabama Crimson Tide? We'll find out here in the next couple of weeks. March Madness continues here on WNSP. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with Michael Brauner, taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And we want to make sure that all our listeners come out to Moe's Barbecue downtown this coming Wednesday for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge. That's at Moe's Barbecue downtown starting at 6 o'clock p.m. And Michael and I will get a head start on the crowd as we'll be doing our show from 3 to 6 p.m. there at Moe's Barbecue downtown. And if you're a qualifier by calling the opening kickoff or the final drive, when you hear that music, the one shining moment, and you've already qualified, you must be present in order to pair with your team that you're going to select randomly. And if you're not lucky enough to be that first caller on the opening drive or our, or the opening kickoff or the final drive, you have an opportunity to be one of the lucky winners in to qualify because we will have eight spots open to where you'll have a chance to get in and qualify on Wednesday. And to, tonight you'll have an opportunity to qualify for listening to that one shining moment and the NCAA March Madness brackets are out. And 
the women's tournament bracket is out as well. South Carolina staying undefeated, and they're really the only undefeated team in collegiate basketball, and we'll see if Dawn Staley is able to repeat as champion of the NCAA. And when you start talking about going undefeated in a season, I think that last year when you looked at South Carolina winning and this year, now that you have South Carolina as the number one seed and Alabama as a number one seed, it just goes to show that it really does mean more in the Southeastern Conference because so many times in college football, you'll have two entrances into college football's playoffs, whether it's Georgia and Alabama. You've had that a couple of times, whether it's LSU and Alabama. Now you have on the men and women's side an opportunity for two number one seeds, the overall number one seed, to come from the Southeastern Conference. And it just means more. And I think the Southeastern Conference is going to try to flex its muscles and show why they belong atop the talk of any sport in the SEC. See, I saw where that was going. I knew you were going to spin some pro-SEC propaganda there. Had to, had to get that in. Without question, you, you, I mean, but the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, mean, South Carolina, and uh, you, you watch more women's than I do, but I, I, from what I've heard, like, they're this is like the greatest defensive team in the history of women's basketball. Yeah, I mean, they're right up there with Pat Summit's teams because when you can run the table and go undefeated, I think that that's, that's special, but they're going to have, they're going to have their hands full because you still have number one seeds in Indiana, Virginia Tech, and Stanford. And Stanford and South Carolina played an epic women's game earlier this season. And it's very similar to what you see with Alabama. Even though Alabama's not defeated and you have a clearer path for the Alabama Crimson Tide, there's no place like home in Legacy Arena for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And really, on a neutral floor, Auburn's going to say there's no place like home in regards to Birmingham, Alabama, because there's going to be plenty of fans that are going to be there and having their orange and blue on and rooting on the Auburn Tigers as well as they take on Iowa. So there'll be a lot more orange and blue or pro-Auburn fans than there will be black and gold. Yeah, the Barners just had to find a way to to ruin this for for the Crimson Takeover of Legacy Arena. Now, it it is good for the state of Alabama in basketball. I, again, if you're Houston, and Kelvin Sampson said it today, he said uh, threw a little bit of shade and said maybe we should have just been a nine seed. Uh, which I mean, if you're Kelvin Sampson in Houston, you have a right to be upset about this. I mean, it's it, it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, and if you're Iowa. Yeah, I mean, like like we said, the difference between an eight and nine seed in terms of picking in your bracket, in terms of betting lines or whatever, is pretty negligible. But I was a higher seed than Auburn, and they're playing a road game, and it's just, it is what it is. I mean, if if Houston is who we think Houston is, it shouldn't be a problem, and Houston should cruise to the Sweet Sixteen. But you know, I I, I think Kelvin Sampson has a valid complaint. Well, whether he's going to complain or not, you as a, a number one seed, you have to take care of your business. And it's going to be so hard for all four number one seeds to make it to the final four. And when you sit and you join these groups to 
tournament pick them, whether it's the WNSP group you join or whether it's your own which, challenge. Which I believe is our pinned tweet right now if it, you check out WNSP's Twitter. So make sure you check that out. And, and and join our pool because we will have brackets available for everyone to see who you're going to pick and how you fare against our own office here at WNSP. But Houston, a number one seed. Kansas, a number one seed. And just glad to see Bill Self rele released from the hospital this weekend and having an opportunity to coach his Jayhawks as they come up short in their conference championship game. Of course, Purdue, can anybody slow down the big fella, the seven-footer at Purdue, or can Houston find a way to get into Houston, the site of the Final Four? And if you needed extra motivation, if you're Coach Sampson, yeah, you're like, okay, well, it's really not fair in regards to how the draw came out. But knowing where the Final Four is located huh. in Houston, Texas, yeah, knowing that, you made it to the first Final Four since Five Slamma Jamma a couple years ago and having an opportunity to go back in your own backyard. Yeah. If that's, it doesn't matter where your opening two rounds are and where your next two rounds are. The bottom line is the last two rounds are going to be in your own backyard. Well, what's funny is I, I, I probably put the Midwest region... I was going to say the toughest, but I, I, I think Kansas actually has the toughest draw in the West region. I think Kansas could be bounced by Arkansas in the second round. We'll see what happens there. Uh, so I, Houston is, has no cakewalk to the Final Four, not that any team does. I, I like Texas to come out of the Midwest. We'll we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. But, yeah, I mean, again, if, if you're Kelvin Sampson, yes. If you do make the Final Four, it's in your own backyard, and, and you're going to have a lot of Cougar fans cheering you on at NRG Stadium. Now, there's going to be a lot of fans of other teams, too. I can tell you right now, if Alabama makes it, there's going to be a lot of Crimson Tide fans that make the trek to Houston, myself included. Uh, but that all being said, I, I'm just saying, man, I mean, I, I just don't see how, how you throw Auburn and Birmingham if you're the committee and think, and, and think that's a fair thing to Iowa or, or to Houston. And as people in the app asking, where would you want them to play? Literally anywhere else. Put them at any other site besides Birmingham. Again, I think it's great for the state. I'm glad they made that decision. I'm glad the Auburn Tigers are playing close to home. I think that it's great for the state of Alabama. Now, again, if you're their opponents, you're probably not too happy in the first or second round. But Auburn in there as a nine seed playing eighth seeded Iowa and the playing games will be starting right around this time tomorrow. Southeast Missouri State has an opportunity to play Texas A&M Corpus Christi and wouldn't it be interesting if Texas A&M Corpus Christi wins this is a school to where Ronnie Arrow oh had an opportunity to start that program at Texas A&M um, Corpus Christi. That's a fun fact. So his ties are there for Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and they wind up playing Alabama. Coach Arrow would know all about how it feels to play Alabama in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. But I, I think that Alabama, whether they do see Texas A&M Corpus Christi, they've already knocked off one Texas A&M. 
just why not let it go ahead and be Corpus Christi as well. But Southeast Missouri State, they're going to have a lot to say about that. But Yeah, we'll see. What, those 16 seed playing games are always fun because, I mean, they really real, are. realistically, you know, as as we know, only one 16 seed's ever beaten a one. So realistically, those two play-in games, I mean, that's your opportunity to win a game in the NCAA tournament. So it, it, those are uh, those are always fun. Uh, yeah, so. And we'll, Mississippi we'll State, we'll that play-in game that's that, going to be right after one. it. That's a barn burner. You, you look at Mississippi State, the Bulldogs, yeah, find that, a way a to one. play themselves into the NCAA tournament with 21 wins and – Vanderbilt gets the snub and is going to get an NIT bid. So what does Mississippi State do with its opportunity? Does it have an opportunity to go ahead and beat a good Pittsburgh team that's 22-11? and 11? So if you're Mississippi State and Pittsburgh, you're fighting to go ahead and to survive in advance as well. Well, here's the thing, too, with uh, Arizona State and Nevada. It's the other 11-seed play-in game. The winner actually plays six-seed TCU. TCU is like star center, if you remember from last year. Eddie Lampkin, if the, if uh, you're a March Madness fiend, that name probably rings familiar to you from last season. Eddie Lampkin entered the transfer portal today. TCU's down one of their best players. And th- there's a whole wacky situation going on. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, people on Twitter are saying he has issues with the coach. Uh, I, I, he hasn't had a great season for the Horned Frogs, uh, so... I, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I don't want to speculate on something that I'm really not sure of. But if you're Arizona State and Nevada, you're looking at that playing game like, all right, winner here, we got a shot again. And not that eleven versus six is is ever a game that you don't feel like you have a shot. I mean, Alabama got smoked by Notre Dame last season in the six eleven matchup. So six eleven is a very winnable game for the eleven seed. But even more so with Eddie Lampkin, Big Eddie transferring, uh, entering the portal for TCU. It just adds another layer to the drama there in the West region. Eight nine game between West Virginia and Maryland. Of course, the winner out of that game will get an opportunity to advance to the second round in Birmingham, Alabama, and play. The one sixteen winner, which by all means should be the Alabama Crimson Tide. I, I don't know I if you really want to play too. Bobby Huggins in the second round because Bobby Huggins, he always has that zone and those zone tendencies, the one three one, and and the different looks from a two three zone standpoint that that he shows that really can frustrate you offensively. Now, will it give their opponent an opportunity to shoot the three ball? which Alabama does extremely well, absolutely it will. Yeah. Um, so I, I just don't know if you if you really – But if they're not falling, you got problems. I And Maryland's, Maryland's a uh, no pushover either. I mean, that's, this is a team that smoked Purdue in the middle of the season. New coach from uh, Seton Hall this year, Kevin Willard. Uh, so I, I don't think either of these teams – like I said earlier, I think the second round is going to be more difficult for Alabama than the Sweet 16 is. I, I, I love – all of their matchup possibilities in the Sweet 16, and I think the second round, like I said, I think they're going to win the game, whether it's against Maryland or West Virginia, but if you're cold shooting against West Virginia, because like you said, you are going to get those open looks against the West Virginia, but if they're not falling like they haven't been pretty frequently in the final stretch of the season, I don't know. I mean, I mean, West Virginia, this is a Big 12 team. We know, we know what the Big 12 has been this year. I mean, they took down Auburn. Uh, earlier this year in the Big 12 Challenge, I don't know. I, I'd probably prefer Maryland, but I don't have a, a super strong preference between those two. I think either of them on Alabama, on Alabama's 
if Alabama gets caught on net, snoozing, I think either of those teams could take down Alabama. Well, it's to a point to where you can have zero sense of to where you're not, okay, we can't bring our A game or tomorrow we'll play better. You know, Alabama knew that they were going to have probably an opportunity to see Texas A&M again in the SEC tournament. They knew that they may see Tennessee again to where you would have that round two. Uh, if you want to see round two, the only way you can do that is to survive in advance. And that's what March Madness is all about. Get your brackets out. We have our pick em going on. And, of course, you can go ahead and qualify for an opportunity if you're going to fill out a bracket or get stuck with the team you want to go ahead and qualify for our 2023 march madness matchup challenge at moe's barbecue downtown this coming wednesday to where you'll be paired with the team in the big dance if your team wins it all you'll win our grand prize of a flat screen television from bailey's tv and mattress or two one-hour jet ski rentals from our friends at gulf coast water rentals Ball is ticked, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. In one shining moment. One shining moment. Get an opportunity now to call. Of Mike on the phone, 251-694-1055 to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown this Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends. That's two adults and one child, courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals and one shiny moment. Who's going to have that one shiny moment? Who's going to cut down the nets? Alabama, an overall number one seed, and they've been tabbed by many talking heads to win the entire tournament. And it's good for the state of Alabama, for Auburn and Alabama to be competing in the same south regional bracket in Birmingham, Alabama. North Alabama is going to have an opportunity to play Southern Utah in the CBI. That's the College Basketball Invitational. And, of course, UAB having an opportunity to be invited to the NIT. They'll be playing versus Southern Miss in the NIT at 630. And that's going to be a great matchup between those two teams. Southern Miss, of course, winning the Sun Belt Conference. And we'll see how they're able to do and great for the state of Alabama. I know last year you had Alabama and Auburn along with Jacksonville State. You had UAB all qualifying for the NCAA tournament. Not as many teams this year, but again, great spotlight being put on the state of Alabama and really a lot of pressure being applied to the Alabama Crimson Tide for the first time in school history. 
finishing up number one in the regular season final poll today. Alabama ranked number one in the AP final poll. Only the fourth time in school history that they've been number one. Of course, earlier this year, they were ranked number one for all of one week before really, they were really defeated. Really one day. <laughs> yeah, and, and one yeah, essentially it was when right the poll the came Tennessee out. Game, yeah. and, and it was before that Tennessee game. But Alabama, with the clean sweep of the regular season championship as well as the conference championship, and really played great basketball this weekend over Missouri, had a little bit of a scare, but found a way to overcome and – doing a good job limiting Kobe Brown. And the Missouri Tigers, they've, under first-year head coach, done a wonderful job and make it to the NCAA tournament and to the semifinals that's in year one. That, that's a really good team, and they're very well coached. They can score in bunches. Alabama did a really good job on them defensively. Uh, obviously was able to make enough plays on offense to win the game. I mean, you can't say enough about how much Dennis Gates has done for that program. I mean, that was a program pretty much in shambles uh, before this year. I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, but Dennis Gates was rumored, I don't whether this was actually true or not, but he was rumored to be a candidate for the Georgetown job. Very swiftly got an extension over at Missouri. So That's I one guess, way to leverage yeah. yourself. Yes. But I mean, he should. He should, he, should be, he should be among the highest paid coaches in the SEC. He did as good a job as anyone coaching that team this year. You, you really can't argue with the results that he had, but the SEC getting eight Teams in the big dance, and the only team that would have and could have been the ninth were the Vanderbilt Commodores, and they don't get in. They'll be playing in the NIT also. But eight teams for the SEC ties, I think the Big 12, for the most teams that are in this NCAA tournament. And I look to see, I look forward to seeing how the SEC is going to fare. Are they going to go ahead and try to be in that opening round? Are they going to be six and two? Are they going to be seven and one? Because again, the the great playing game between Mississippi State and Pittsburgh, it's it's tough it's tough for the Bulldogs just to try to survive in advance. Yeah, I mean, you, you you're in that playing game. It's it's tough. If, if you remember last year, Notre Dame, I believe, was in the playing game against Rutgers. If I'm not mistaken, someone can call me out on that if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Uh, but you win that playing game, gives you a little bit momentum. I mean, you can talk about the rest, whatever. Uh, but you're in that playing game, it gives you a little momentum as an 11 seed going into that game against the six. So uh, I like Mississippi State over Pitt. Admittedly, I haven't watched a lot of Pitt, but I know how physical and how tough Mississippi State is. So we'll see. I mean, that that certainly on paper is the best matchup of the first four. Vanderbilt getting Yale in the NIT tournament tomorrow night, mm. having an opportunity to advance. But Chris Jans, again, 21 wins for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. That's pretty impressive in year number one for him also. So it's just been a year of kind of new names in the Southeastern Conference, and we'll continue to see new names as Chris Beard will be added to Ole Miss's staff. And a lot of transitions and transactions going on. You mentioned the opening with Georgetown and who they will hire. Will Rick Patino decide to take St. John's job? Will will he go ahead and decide to stay at Iona? I think Rick Patino ultimately wants to coach somewhere bigger 
than where he currently is. But sure. he did get his team back into the tournament, and that's all that matters. Sure. I mean, Rick Pitino, no doubt, uh, has bigger aspirations than Iona, and why wouldn't he? I mean, this is a national championship winning coach that we're talking about here. Uh, it seems seems like it's not going to happen with Rick Pitino in Georgetown, which was surprising because that seemed like a good fit. Uh, I, think, I think you said earlier... Or maybe that was Lee who said earlier on, on the uh, bracket show that Georgetown's going after Ed Cooley of Providence, which will that is pretty fascinating stuff. It would be a move within the league. Um, Patino, I guess, is a candidate at St. John's still. We'll we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, Patino has served his time at, at a smaller school. It, it, it's about time that he's going to be moving up soon. Connecticut, a four four seed playing Iona in that opening round and. I know Alabama had an opportunity to kind of see Iona and what they can bring to the table in an opening yeah. round matchup. But it was a pretty good game for a while too. It, it really was, but but Connecticut, one of those teams that was ranked really really high, almost up to number one in the country. Yeah, killed early Al- in the killed year. Alabama. I, I think with that huge win that they had, what what can Coach Hurley do with UConn? How far can the Connecticut Huskies go? Connecticut's tough because uh, I think the West is probably the most difficult region of of the four. Uh, but a reason for that, of the West being the most difficult region, one of the reasons for that is that Connecticut is the four seed in that. Cause, and we know how good Connecticut is. I mean, Sonogo is one of the best players in the country for them. Uh, UCLA is the two. Kansas is the one. Who's, who's, the, who's the three in this one? Was that... Uh, the Zags uh, Gonz- in the West, yeah, Gonzaga in the West. I mean, I mean, this is this is a mean bracket. I think St. Mary's loses to VCU in the first round. So if you're Connecticut, maybe you uh, maybe you get VCU in the second round if you're able to beat Iona. Uh, I think Arkansas is a shot. I that that West region is going to be complete and utter chaos. I, I'm having a real hard time making a prediction there. Uh, I mean, North. Look at even seven seed Northwestern. That's a team that took down some really good teams in the Big Ten. They play some great defense. That's a, that is not going to be an easy out for Northwestern. At the same at, at, in the same breath, they could lose to Boise State. I don't know, but I mean they'll they'll give UCLA problems in the second round if they're able to uh, if they're able to defeat Boise State. Miami and Drake, the five twelve, the dreaded five twelve matchup. Miami may not be playing with Norchad or Mir who is the transfer from Arkansas State, had an opportunity to see him really show up and show up out and be an all-Sunbelt Conference performer a year ago, hit that transfer portal, and found his way down to Miami. If he's not able to play, then I think that that makes a difference for how far the Hurricanes can go as a five-seed also. I don't know if necessarily they'll be beat in the first round, but it is a 5-12 matchup. So that will be a lot of fun. And they'd have Indiana in the second round. So, And, and again, I just love the fact that the 5-12 matchups, it doesn't matter what bracket you choose out of the four conferences, South, East, West, or Midwest, there's always that 5-12. And I never really want to mark that 5-12 winner because I don't want to say a 12 should be able to beat a 5. But what you wind up normally seeing is those 12s, have a lot of three- and four-year players on their roster yeah. who have played together for so long. And then you start looking at a Duke who has the one and Dunners uh, playing Oral Roberts. You just don't know where it's going to be. St. Mary's, another program that beat Gonzaga and wound up being the runner-up 
in their conference tournament. Just some great 5-12 matchups, and March Madness is upon us, and we want you to join us at Moe's Barbecue downtown this Wednesday, 6 o'clock p.m., for an opportunity to qualify. We'll have those eight spots open, so if you didn't get it on the opening kickoff or the final drive, you can come and join us to try to get one of those eight spots. We'll shift gears and talk a little baseball coming up next here on the final drive as we'll be joined by Bishop State's head coach, James Hattenstein, next here on the final drive. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And with it being spring, we know that baseball is in full effect. And locally here, Bishop State, the Wildcats program, and their head coach, James Haddenstein, joins us here on the final drive. Coach, welcome to the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner. Hey, Corey, how are you? Absolutely blessed by the best coach and just wanted to touch bases with you. I know that the Wildcats are getting ready to start up conference play and you have a lot of local youngsters on your roster who are being very productive for you. Absolutely, man. We have we try our best to get as many local kids to stay home as we can. We've got Brody Hinn, Carson Massey, and Rashad Robinson from Mobile Christian. Well, from St. Paul's, we've got Tyrese Rooks and Benny Bazio. We've got Gabe Hunt from Theodore, Lucas Lambert and Parker Remersnyder from Spanish Fort. And from Daphne, we have Gan Nobles. From Murphy, we have Caleb Stewart. Davidson, we have Matthew Woods. Uh, from UMS, we got Pearson Eichner, St. Luke's Bryce Eddington, Cottage Hill Kyle Hip, and from Baker, we've got Ryan Kelly and Tyler Sermon, and, and most of those guys are really doing well. Um, we're we're in the second round of our conference play. We went three and one this week against Enterprise, and some of those guys that really swung the bats really well was uh, uh, Kyle, uh, Kyle Hip and Bryce Eddington, and oh, uh, Rashad Robinson hit a home run and. Denny Buzio swung it really well. Tyrese Rooks, I think he had like five doubles this week and just really went off. So we, we, we had a good week, and hopefully we can capitalize on that. We had 41 hits over the weekend, and hopefully that's a good start to conference play. Well, that's what it's all about, getting tuned up for conference play, is we know that, again, you, you dip into local programs that have had a lot of success, whether that's Mobile Christian yes, or St. Luke's or Cottage Hill. You've definitely found winning programs and young men that are coming from winning programs that decide to go ahead and continue their collegiate career at the junior college level. There's nothing wrong with that in regards to trying to make it to that next level because you can be seen and not have the offers that you had coming out of high school that you could possibly have leaving Bishop State Community College. Absolutely. We've got one committed to Alabama right now. Gage Miller will be going to Alabama next year. And we've got a couple of kickbacks, one from UNC Charlotte and Brandon Davis and one from USF was committed to Alabama was committed to Miami. That's Albert Hernandez and Rashad Robinson came from Memphis State and you know we're we're looking to send as many guys as we can to the next level. We we sent almost 50 guys in the last 5 years to the next level and we want to continue to do that. Coach Hat, 
You know, Mobile has such a baseball-rich tradition, whether you think about Hank Aaron or Cleon Jones, and that's the foundation. That's really where you start. And I know that you're really a baseball fanatic yourself, but you do a lot not only for the Bishop State Wildcats, but you give back. You see your players give back to the community as well, and that's so very vital when you start teaching young men on how to give back to not only their community, but in order that show that it's bigger than the game that they're playing. Absolutely. We, we have an organization we've got going here with Joe Connick and, and Joey Warner and some of those guys called the mobile mobsters. We've been reaching out to the community as much as we can to, to try to help uh, bring some more, you know, quality baseball players in our area and, and improve baseball. And that's, that's our, our goal is to be service oriented. We want our guys to have that mindset. And I think they're doing a good job. I really like this group, not just as a team, uh, but just as people, they, they, they feel like they're, they're a part of the community, whether they're from here or not. And that's important when they leave here, they have a, a, a pride and a respect and, and being a baseball player from this area. Well, coach, I, I'm about to play a clip for you. And when I play this clip for you, tell me what comes to your mind when you hear this clip being played, Coach. Okay. So we're having a little problem right there pulling up that baseball clip. But what what we're talking about is the clip in regards to where there was a baseball game, a horrible umpire call. between Mississippi Valley and New Orleans. And as Mike is getting ready to pull that up, he does have it here momentarily. Coach, let's get your thoughts about it before I decide to play it. Have you ever seen anything like that from a collegiate umpire as far as just knowing that there's two balls in the dirt, nowhere close to being strikes, and ring them up? Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of human error in the game of baseball, and it's part of what makes it bad and good. Um, that situation there, I saw it, and I was very, very upset to see the way that it transpired. Uh, we weren't able to see the re- the whole game. I didn't see the whole game, but obviously from the reaction of the player, he felt like the whole day had gone that way. I think that's kind of why he had reacted that way. And sometimes there's a lot missing from that. Um, like I said, some people had comments about the player, but – as adults and, and me as a coach, there's times when I have to look at my players and say, I'm sorry, I've got to be more professional and I've got to do a better job of doing what I was was, was hired to do. And I think that's the thing with umpires. We all got to remind ourselves that even though we're in a position of authority, we're also in a position of being an example. And we've got to make sure that we give those kids what they you know, came there to get. And that's important. Without question, Coach, and I know I don't know if you heard the call, but we do have it ready here. And this is how it sounded for all the listeners out there on the app and on the radio. It's a big gamble to take in the ninth. 1-1. Called a strike there, and it's 1-2. And, and oh, my. Mims is showing where 1-2 coming. It's down. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He got rung up on ball two, and the game is over. Oh, my goodness. That is horrific. Well, the privateers win the game, a game they looked like they were going to win anyway, but Summer just wanted to go home. 
Coach, that's one of the most frustrating feelings I know. You you just gave your thoughts about it, but I really have never yes, seen sir. anything like that because you can argue balls and strikes, and I know there is that <laughs> human element, but in this situation, we're going to post it to our WNSP feed as well as my Twitter feed so you're able to see it. And it's just atrocious, and that official was indefinitely suspended and, and really has no, no right calling baseball at all, especially as much well, money as umpires make. But, Coach, how can people watch you guys play? That's the yeah. biggest thing. You have a lot of local talent on your roster and would love for an opportunity for people who have not seen the Wildcats play for them to come see all the local guys play. Well, our motto is fun to watch, and the cool part about junior college baseball here in the state of Alabama is it doesn't cost you to come watch. It's free. We play on our southwest campus out on Dolphin Island Parkway. We play at noon on Thursdays or Saturday for our conference games. This week we actually play Saturday, a noon doubleheader. It's a lot of baseball. It's a lot of fun. The kids are exciting to watch they play hard um and like i said it's a free opportunity to get out and get in the sun and and just watch baseball coach hattenstein joining us here on the final drive coach can't thank you enough for taking time out to talk about your bishop state program and we look forward to keeping up with you as conference play continues to unwind thank you for calling me Corey. you got it the final drive right here our last segment coming up before we have our next edition of the Miller Lite John Rachetti Golf Show coming up next here on WNSP. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5, and I can give you about Four and a half million reasons why Scotty Scheffler is back to being the number one player in golf and had a great weekend this weekend at TPC and Miller Lights John Rachetti's Golf Show brought to you by Dan Hart LLC Engineered Products and Services is coming up next. John, that was a nice little pot of money that Scotty Scheffler was able to win this weekend. Yeah, he's, you're right. There's a lot of uh, reasons why he won $4.5 uh, million worth. But, uh, you know, that's why he's the, uh, you know, arguably, in my opinion, the top three players in the world. Whether I know he's the number one ranked player today, but you throw in John Rahm, and, uh, you know, he's another guy that, uh, you know, dropped out due to illness. And you got Rory McIlroy that uh, – that, you know, he continues to, he didn't play well this weekend, obviously. He missed a cut, but, uh, you know, everybody's a Rory fan. But, no, Scotty Scheffler, I like him. You know, we got the first major of the year in a few weeks. He's a defending champion. I mean, all in all, I think uh, I think he's got a really good shot to, be, to, to, uh, to defend the title at Augusta National. Well, I know you'll be talking all about that tonight. Next, coming up on your Miller Lite, John Rochetti's golf show is, again, Scheffler is showing he is heating up here as far as the events that he's won and really playing great golf at the right time. And you mentioned next month 
around this time. We'll be getting started up in Augusta. So looking forward to that and your coverage tonight. And coming up next here on WNSP 105.5. Yeah, we'll be ready. Got a packed house here at Felix's Fish Camp tonight. So obviously we'll break down Scotty Shepard's win. It's his, his sixth PGA Tour victory. Uh, you know, he just got five wins in the last year and a half. So obviously the kid's a real deal and he's a cool cat, well-respected on the PJ tour. Everybody, all the players love him and so forth. So, um, you know, the sky's the limit for Scotty Sheffield. It won't be the last time we'll be talking about him. And, you know, he looks poised to possibly defend his title at Augusta National. Appreciate you, Shetty. Everybody will be listening in next here, right after the final drive here on WNSP. And, Michael, again, we've been talking about the NCAA tournament as Alabama comes in as the overall number one seed. And, you know, postseason basketball is pretty cool. And we talked last week when I was in Birmingham a couple of weeks ago that Antoine Davis, Mike Davis's son from Detroit Mercer, having an opportunity to try to break Pistol Pete's record. Not able to do so. Detroit Mercer, 14-19. and 19, And I asked Coach Davis, did he think that they would get some type of postseason invite? And Pete Maravich's son said, look, it's disgraceful if you allow him to buy this record. But 3,664 points, still very impressive in a collegiate career. Yeah, I mean – it shouldn't be even compared because, I mean, we've talked about it. There was no three-point line when Pete Maravich was He was averaging 40 points a game. He did it in, what, two less years. So, yeah, I, I understand he was, quote-unquote, passing Pete Maravich. But, yes, I, I agree to ceremoniously put a team that was had a losing record in the postseason just so he could pass this record would be, would be a little bit ridiculous. No? Well, it's not going to happen because, again, the CBI – decided to go ahead and pass and not going to have an opportunity for postseason play, just like North Carolina. Preseason number one, not making the NCAA tournament, decided to go ahead and pass up. Hubert Davis said, I don't I don't need any postseason play. I'm ready to boot up for the recruiting and offseason and look forward to 23-24 Carolina Blue basketball. Yeah, and, and – I mean, I, I've seen people complain about, oh, like, what, if you think you're too good for the NIT, then maybe you should have played well enough to make the NCAA tournament. And I, I understand that mindset, but at the same time, uh, and I, I hate to just put it this this plainly, but North Carolina is too good for the NIT. So, I mean, if you're North Carolina, it you gain nothing from playing in the NIT. So just turn the page, focus the next season, and uh, figure out a way to not be in the position where you have to decline an NIT invitation next year. No doubt about that. I, I think that North Carolina's best bet is to go ahead and boot up for next year as well. Tony Sakalis joined us this afternoon, as well as Antoine Staley, Brad Logan, and James Hattenstein all joining us as guests this afternoon on the final drive. And, of course, Mike, the podcast will be available immediately following the show. Yes, it is. A WNSP Now, you can get all of our 
morning, afternoon, John Ricchetti Golf Show content, Tommy Prater inside Alabama Racing, Prep Spotlight. I hope I'm not forgetting anything, but not just that. You can get Nick Wiggins and Stephen Root on the double team, myself and Owen McEnroe on the Throw It Deep NFL podcast. We're going to record another episode of that tonight, uh, Talk, tackle some of the free agency stuff, as well as Joey Warner doing uh, the Batter's Box podcast. It's actually uh, doing really well numbers-wise on WNSP now, so check us out. You can get all of our online podcast content at WNSP now, wherever you get your podcasts. Coastal Alabama South came up short of winning the state championship in overtime this past week. So congratulations to Robbie Robinson on an outstanding season. And this weekend, a clean sweep for the Alabama All-Stars, boys and girls over Mississippi. And congratulations to both Alabama boys and girls teams for making it a clean sweep over Mississippi. Tomorrow, we'll be right back here on the final drive, and you'll have another four opportunities to qualify for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown. We'll see you this coming Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue, but until then, we'll see you tomorrow afternoon on the final drive. Wow.